This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hello, I'm a father. I'm a son. I work at Sutherland and Rich. I wear Abercrombie and Fitch. (laughs) My business skills include data assessment, market implementation, and information systems resolution. I have nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills. Where'd you learn that? Oh, Dad. I spend my day creating detailed spreadsheets that analyze foreign markets. I Twitter. Is that that violent video game with a violent gangster thug shooting guns and stealing cars? Right, Dad. That's exactly what it is. When I was a kid, video games had floating asteroids or centipedes, a yellow monster eating dots. (laughs) You played video games? (laughs) I thought you were too busy hunting dinosaurs so your village could eat. (laughs) Actually, I was walking to school through the snow, uphill, both ways. (laughs) That's funny. I'll put it on Facebook. There it is, my cell phone bill shooting through the stratosphere right before my eyes. I swear, sometimes I feel like I'm just an ATM machine. That's because you are an ATM machine. Excuse me? What? You dress like one. You want me to dress like you? It takes a lot of your money to dress this cool. I'm a father. On weekends, I like to watch golf on TV and nap usually at the same time. I'm a son. I sleep until noon before practicing my heel flip in a half pipe all day. That's skateboarding, right? Yeah. Awesome. Oh. Oh, right. Almost. I love Hootie and the Blowfish. You Hootie the what fish? Don't even try to knock on the Hootie. Is it so wrong wanting to actually understand what a person's singing? The only reason my dad can't understand my music is because he only speaks the language of lame. If by lame you mean my music actually has a tune, then yes, guilty as charged. You just don't understand. I understand that you think that I'm a dork, but I wasn't always like this. Back in high school, I played in a rock band, lead guitar. I'm in a band, Metallica. I'm Guitar Hero. Well, there's one thing we both agree on. Sports. I play basketball. I never miss a game. To be completely honest, I don't actually play. I sit a lot. Coach put you in last week. (laughs) We were up by 20 points with two minutes left. It's a team effort and you're a big part of that team. Dad was really good in high school. Played forward on varsity. Hey, playing basketball was cool back in the dark ages. I know that. You... Right. That wasn't ironic or sarcastic or ironically sarcastic. (laughs) Nope. Totally serious. I'm a father. I drive green, a red Prius. I'm a son. I drive green too. On weekends and some weeknights when dad doesn't need the car. Tell us, son, what happened to your car? I wrecked it. 
eating a chalupa. I was hungry. You were almost killed. I thought for sure you'd finish the job when you saw what I did to the car. It's not the car I care about. <laughs> sure, he says that now, but... Wait, that wasn't sarcastic. Nope, totally serious. I give my dad a hard time because, well, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, a real laugh riot. I mean, if I didn't rip on him for his bad knees, his corny jokes, his bald head... Hey, hey! What, you think it's a secret? At least I don't use molding mud in my hair. <laughs> Us guys gotta do what it takes, right, Dad? You know I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. Even though you do wear tidy whities Hey, hey, that's private. <laughs> it scares me that I resonate more with the dad than the son in that I went to a Hootie and the Blowfish concert, loved it. Uh, I don't have Facebook. I don't tweet. Uh, and yet, uh, here we are 10 years ago. Uh, maybe I was more like the kid, and now you become the dad, and you wonder, what happened? How did, I, how did we get here, right? Dads, uh, especially us new dads, how did we get here that people are saying Happy Father's Day to us? Uh, that we're getting cards, and uh, if you're like me, you're getting uh, a fantastic uh, bath water toy where water goes through and turns the things because your daughter just knows what you want, right? Um, <laughs> It blows my mind that we're here. Now, she also got me this fantastic coffee cup uh, because mom knows what I want. Uh, so now you get to watch and see how many times I actually pick this up and don't drink out of it because I was told that that's one of my ticks. So uh, I made space in your notes. You can write that down each, each time. Uh, that'd be fun for everybody. It really would. Uh, so on that note, one. You remember the, uh, the time... Uh, when everybody wanted to be like Mike. You remember that phrase? I wanted to be like Mike. Man, I was not immune to that. I wanted to be like Mike. Mike was awesome, right? Mike was uh, cool, and Mike was strong. Uh, Mike wore glasses, and he had a fantastic mustache. Uh, Mike played soccer in a suit, and he flipped his tie over his shoulder, and he ran around wearing sports shoes and dress pants. Uh, Mike was a principal, right? He was a friend. He was my dad. I wanted to be like Mike Finkbeiner. Mike Finkbeiner was the man, right? Everybody else wanted to be like Michael Jordan, but he didn't hold anything to Michael Douglas Finkbeiner the first. Uh, what is it about us that wants to be like our dad when we're little kids? It doesn't even really matter what your dad does. Something in a lot of us just wants to be like him. I remember uh, dad would, would get ready in his, his suit and tie, and he would uh, go to the back door, and I'd run up and I'd give him a big hug, and uh, I would, I'd feel this kind of scruffy face and uh, smell the uh, Old Spice, right? The scent of Old Spice that wafted through the air as I hugged Dad goodbye. And I thought, man, if I could be a principal someday, that would be it. Who doesn't want to be a principal when they're nine years old or eight years old, right? My dad used to tell me uh, the last three letters of principal is pal because the principal is your pal. And I thought, that's right. The principal is your pal. Uh, the principal is, he's the man, uh, and so I became friends with my principals throughout school. Uh, I'd like to go and visit them a lot. And then they'd, uh, they liked me so much, they'd send me home sometimes. Uh, for a lot of us, we think about our dads, there's a lot of joy there. Uh, a lot of, of fun memories and, and stories, and we celebrate them. But for others, 
uh, dads are a real painful spot, right? Why is it that uh, if we didn't know our dad or if we feel like our dad didn't really connect with us, it feels like we're missing a part of ourselves, right? Even as adults, why, why do we feel something is, is missing? If you're here this morning and you had a great experience with dad, uh, and you can celebrate today because it's a real place of joy, uh, I believe God has a word for you this morning. If you're here this morning and uh, Father's Day is actually not happy for you, it's a hard day, uh, I believe that God wants to meet you in that place and he wants to bring some healing. Uh, God doesn't want us to run from uh, the pain of relationships. God wants us to meet him in the pain and he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring wholeness in some of that brokenness. So uh, you may be here this morning uh, and you're just really excited that it's Dad's Day. And you might be here this morning and uh, everything in you wants to just wait for this day to be over. Uh, wherever you are, I believe God wants to, to speak to you. Uh, I'm going to talk to dads this morning, but I think actually uh, there's a word for each of us uh, here. Because God created dads uh, with a unique space uh, in a kid's life. I get home from work every afternoon and my daughter runs up to me and she dances back and forth. Now she's, she's 18 months old and so this may change, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to as she gets older. Um, but she, she dances, and then she throws her arms around me, and she squeals like I'm the lost member of a boy band, right? She just, she is so happy to see me. And um, maybe it's naive, but I'm pretty sure that I'll, I'll be the one dad that that doesn't change with, uh, whose daughter always runs up to them and hugs them and is happy to see them. Uh, please don't rain on my parade. It's Father's Day. Um, God gave us a unique role as dads, and we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about uh, sharing the love with our families, with our kids. If you're here and you're not a dad, though, uh, maybe God wants to speak to you about how to support your, your spouse, your husband, to help them be the kind of dad that God created them to be. Or uh, maybe you are a father figure in someone's life, and God wants to speak a word into your life there. Or maybe God has something totally different for you. I don't know. Uh, I believe God has given us something to, to uh, experience him today. Uh, you might uh, not have any desire to connect on a dad topic, but God might speak something totally different to you. And I'm open to that, and I'm excited about whatever God is going uh, to say to you this morning. Because the Bible is clear that when we open it up and we engage with God and we experience God, that uh, something happens in us if we're willing to embrace what God has. Uh, we are transformed. We're changed. We experience a new uh, fullness in life that we didn't have before we engaged with God. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump in this morning. God, would you help us to be available this morning uh, to you, to what you have for us? If the words, Father, uh, is one of excitement and joy, uh, would you be uh, blessing that, increasing that in in our lives, and helping us to express that to our dads. If uh, the word Father is a place of pain, of hurt, of, of loss, of missed expectations, would you be healing that? Would you bring uh, your touch uh, that we would not allow this day to be marked for the rest of our lives as a day of hurt and pain, but that we would find healing in you uh, that would transform this day? We believe that uh, in you, as we experience you, as we come to know you more fully, uh, that pain, that hurt, that sorrow, and whatever it is, uh, you begin to bring healing in that. And so would you bring healing this morning? Uh, would you speak to us very clearly today as we look at what it means to love uh, very deeply in very tangible ways? Amen. 
The book of Ephesians is a letter uh, written by a guy named Paul to a group of people whose lives were being transformed by this Jesus movement, by this experience of Jesus. Jesus, uh, he lived and he died and uh, God rose him from the dead. He broke the power of death and destruction and he revealed a full picture of God to us. And so these people uh, in a place called Ephesus are experiencing Jesus, experiencing God in a new way, in an intimate way that's, that's transforming their lives. Uh, and Paul's writing to them in this huge city called Ephesus. Ephesus was a city of somewhere around 250,000 people. Uh, just to give some context, Jesus did most of his ministry in a place called Capernaum, and Capernaum was a big uh, area with about 1,500 people. So 1,500 was considered big, now we move to Ephesus, which is 250,000 people. It's beyond description. Uh, it housed one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis. And it had a theater that housed 25,000 people at one time. There was a medical school there. It was uh, one of the main centers of the ancient Roman world. This was a huge place. And so Paul's writing this letter to this small group of people. If you ever feel like New Life is a drop in the bucket compared to Petaluma, uh, we would be gigantic compared to this church in Ephesus who's trying to figure out what it means to live in this uh, mega city, uh, this urban uh, center. And one of the goals of this letter is to help the people figure out uh, how God is not only transforming their lives, but through them how God wants to transform this entire community. So Paul is writing to these people to help them uh, embrace a kind of life that would have impact, uh, not just for them, but for all of Ephesus. And so he starts by telling them, God is the head of this body that you're coming to call the church, this community of faith that's this moving, breathing thing, this gathering of people who's, who's meeting together, who, like Justin said, is, is breaking uh, bread together, they're eating together, and they're having fun together, they're praying together, they're taking communion together. And God is the head of this body, and you guys are all part of this body. And so he begins by talking about how we need to live in unity as this body. He says, uh, if you're a body and one toe is walking this direction and the foot is walking this direction, you're going to have some trouble. So the toe can't go right while the foot goes left, depending on which way you are looking right now. Uh, don't be confused. Because if you walk in different directions, you're not going to have the impact that God wants you to have. You're not going to experience the life that God wants you to have, not just in all of Ephesus, but in your little community. If you're divided, you're not going to experience all that God has for you. Paul says there's more to life than the things you can touch and taste and smell and see and hear. He says that life is about uh, experiencing the spiritual reality of God moving working, present in your life. He says, like a, a body, we all have to be walking together. And so he starts off big. The church is this body, and God is the head. And then he goes into the interpersonal relationships, how this actually plays out uh, in everyday life. And so he goes straight from this big idea of this body, where toes can't go one way while the foot goes the other way. He goes from this big idea of the body to the family. And he says, wives, you need to engage with your family in this way to live out this life with God. And, and kids, you need to engage with your family in this way to live out life with God. And, and servants and slaves, you need to engage with the family in a different way. Everyone needs to engage with the family in a unique way. And he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, you need to Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Now, I realize that Paul's talking to husbands and wives here, but remember, the whole context is family, is interpersonal relationships, how this uh, means to live out this life of faith that God's calling them to. And so he says, uh, husbands, love your families just like Christ loves this community that you've come to call the church. Christ gave himself up for the church. He died for the church. And so you need to love in that kind of way. When fathers begin to love their families like Christ loved the church, uh, it impacts people. It doesn't just impact the family, although it will impact the family, but it impacts the community around. You see, Paul's key strategy for influencing Ephesus uh, is not get out there with billboards. It's not ha- have the, the, the next best thing. Paul's, one of his key strategies is husbands love your families like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, if you begin to do this, it will transform communities. Have you ever been around a family where the dad just, uh, there's something about him, the way that he loves his wife and his kids that's just inspiring? You just begin to wonder, what is it about them, about that family, that he could, he could respond that way in that situation, or he could, he could care for them that way? For Paul, when men begin to love their families the way that Christ loved the church, it's the beginning of a transformation of entire communities. And so he says, husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Which leads us to... Uh, an interesting question. How do I do that? Uh, I have been a father for 20 months and 10 days, and it has been very exciting. But I do not have all the answers and how you can do that. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to dig into a story that Jesus tells about a father and his two sons, because Jesus gives some insight into how dads can love like, like Christ loved. In Luke 15, Jesus is talking to some religious people. Uh, they know the scriptures. They know about God. They, they've heard the stories. They know the law. They could probably recite not just the Ten Commandments, but hundreds of laws of God. They could probably recite whole books of the Bible. These people knew about God, and they, they thought they knew God, but they didn't know God. And there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Have you ever found yourself in a place where uh, you sacrificed knowing God for knowing about God, where we felt like knowing about God was what it was really all about, knowing the answers to the questions and, and knowing uh, what God is like, his character, but not really experiencing God. That's the situation these people are in. They know about God, but they don't know God. And Jesus wants them to know God. He wants them to love God. We can't love God by knowing about God. I can't love my wife by, by simply saying, well, I know my wife has brown hair and she's five, three and a half and she plays the keyboard. That is not loving my wife. That's knowing about my wife, but, but I love my wife when I experience her, when, when we uh, are, are connected, when we're engaging in life together, when it becomes less about what I know here and more about what I am engaging with, with all of me, my head, my mind, my heart, everything. And so he says to these guys, you don't need to know about God for you as much as you need to, to know God. And so he continues in this story uh, in Luke 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between the two of them. This was unheard of in this time. The people listening to this story would have been furious. How could a son do that? How could he have the, uh, the gumption 
that's a good word, the gumption, to go up to his, his dad and say, give me my half of the estate. Basically what he's saying to his dad is, I wish you were dead. I wish you weren't here anymore. Give me what I want and let me go on my way. Don't ever talk to me again. I won't talk to you. You won't see me anymore. Give me what you owe me and let me go. Now, this kid could have been stoned to death, could have been killed for this type of disrespect to his his dad. This is a a big deal. Um, But we're told that the guy does it. He divides his property, which literally means, uh, when it says he divided his property, it means that he, he separated his living. It says he cut everything he had right in half. His very livelihood is living, and he gave it away to his son. Sometimes loving like Christ means sacrificing for our families. Now, sacrificing is a romantic idea when the person that we're sacrificing for appreciates our sacrifice. Uh, when they're thankful for the things that we do for them, when they, when they are just overwhelmed with emotion uh, for the things we do. I, I, like, uh, I like receiving notes and letters. And so when my wife, she wrote me a note, it was upstairs in my office this morning when I walked in. It was a nice note that just said that she loved me and she appreciated me. And um, when I sacrifice and I receive something back, some gratitude, man, it makes it nice. It makes it easy. But sometimes we need to sacrifice as dads even when the sacrifice goes unnoticed or even when the sacrifice is rejected. Loving like Christ means sacrificing, not dependent on what we get in return, but sacrificing because that is what it means to love like Jesus loved. Jesus died on a cross. He sacrificed his very life. And there are people, thousands and thousands, hundreds and thousands of people around the world who have disregarded that sacrifice, who have rejected that sacrifice. And yet Jesus still did it. Because for him, loving meant sacrificing, regardless of what he got in return. He sacrificed because he loved. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together uh, all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. I like the Discovery Channel. Uh, it's a fun TV show, a uh, fun, fun channel, because it's got things like Deadliest Catch, but one of my favorites is uh, Dirty Jobs. Anybody like Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? Uh, he's a manly man. I, I resonate with him. Uh, we, um, Yeah. Mike Rowe goes, the whole premise of this show, Dirty Jobs, is that Mike Rowe goes and does jobs that no one in their right mind would want to do, right? He does things that no one else would do, that you look at and you're like, oh, that is, that's gross, you know, that's, that's nasty, that's, that's yucky, and whatever you would say. I'm trying to resonate with the whole, the girls too, yucky. I don't use that word, that's not a very manly word. Um, like, he, like, he, he, um, he tans hides and, and does stuff and cleans out sewers and um, this is a Jewish community that Jesus is writing to. Uh, for a Jew to go and associate with pigs is like Mike Rowe doing dirtiest jobs uh, on steroids. It is just something that you would never do, that people would be repulsed by this idea. A good Jewish person does not associate with pigs, not just because the family doesn't like it, but because God commanded, you do not have anything to do with pigs. And so he's feeding these pigs, and he's wishing, I wish I could just eat their slop. 
I wish I could just eat a little bit from the apple core that the pigs are eating, right? From that muck and that mess that's all got put together. Just give me a spoonful of that. That would be delicious. Just give me something. The guy does not have any money, and he's starving to death. Verse 17, when he had come to his senses, he said, How many of my father's men, hired men, have food to spare? And here I am, I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Because ultimately when we hurt other people, we're not just hurting them, but we're hurting God because God wants us to live in unity. Remember what we learned about in Ephesians. And so he says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Verse 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so the people began to celebrate. My dad, Mike Finkbeiner, uh, he takes pride in having clean cars. Uh, Are there any men like that who like to wash cars? Uh, Okay, like three of you. That's good. Um, Me either. Me either. Uh, But my dad does. He will wash a car. He washes his truck and my mom's car every weekend, even if it's going to rain the next day. And so I asked him one time, Dad, why are you going to wash your car? It's raining tomorrow. Because he used to make me wash it with him when I was a kid. And so I had these questions. And so uh, I say, Dad, why are you washing your car? He said, because when it rains, uh, if the car's dirty, it's just going to look bad. It's going to be wet and dirty. But if it rains and the car's clean, it's just a little water on the car. For me, when it rains, that is a car wash, right? (laughs) So I'm, I'm thanking the Lord for the rain. But not my dad. He took pride in his cars. My dad's a very generous man. And uh, I grew up in Glendora, California. My brother calls it Glendora Berry. It's a very small town in the midst of very big towns. And we have parades, kind of like uh, Butter and Eggs parades. The whole town comes out for our homecoming parade. And so you see the football team and the band, and, and there are floats and things. And the big deal for me when I was in eighth grade was that the junior high has got invited to be in the parade. And so the junior high ASB, the student government, got to have their own float in the parade. And I was lucky enough to be on student government. Uh, and so my dad said, why don't you use my truck for the parade? You guys can all sit in the back of it, and you can have some signs or decorate it or whatever. And so I felt pretty cool about that. It was a big F-150, you know, two-tone brown. You remember that, the two-tone brown F-150s? It was sharp. It was really sharp. Uh, And so all the kids came over, uh, and we began to make posters, homecoming posters about ASB and how our ASB was the best and better than the other student government from the other junior high because we ruined them. And, uh, and we got them all done, and we said, well, how are we going to stick these posters onto the car? I said, well, you know, tape is probably the best idea. So I went into the garage, and I found a nice big roll of duct tape. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Where were you when I was 12. So I got the duct tape and tore it out, right? And we began to tape the posters onto my dad's roof, onto the car, all over the place. And, uh, and it, it was awesome. Those posters were going nowhere, right? Uh, 
until we decided we had to tear the posters off at the end of the parade. And we tore the posters off the roof, and off came the tape, or off came the, uh, the paint from my dad's car, right? Nice big strips of paint coming off my dad's two-tone brown Ford F-150. And slow didn't work, and fast didn't work, and, and, and nothing seemed to, to make the paint stay on my dad's car. Uh, three things I remember from that experience. One, uh, dad did not freak out on me. Uh, He could have. Uh, I might have. Uh, But dad didn't. He didn't freak out. Uh, Two, he forgave me. And three, every few months uh, I would see him out in the garage and he would be spray painting brown paint on the top of his truck for the rest of his life of that truck. Uh, And he'd have his old radio on and he'd just be spray painting with spray painting on the top of the truck. Uh, and it looked sharp, too, let me tell you. Uh, my dad, uh, was like, one of, you know, one of these for your car is what it was. Um, the son heads home, and he's thinking, my, my dad's going to reject me, right? There's no reason my dad should accept me. But maybe he'll let me be one of his, his hired hands. Maybe he'll let me be a servant or a slave for the rest of my life, because at least then I could, I could eat, but the scripture says that the, the father sees the son a long way off and, and he goes and he begins to run to the son and he comes down and he embraces his son and he, he wraps his arms around him and he begins to kiss him over and over again on his neck. It says he falls on his son and, and he begins to kiss him over and over and over again. And I imagine the father is weeping because his son ha- has come back. He runs to him. He embraces him. Loving like Christ means forgiving when we've been wronged. And I want to be clear here, uh, dads, we are not perfect like Christ. We want to love like Christ and we would like to become more like Christ, but we will never be perfect like Christ. So sometimes loving like Christ means humbling ourselves and asking for forgiveness uh, when we've wronged our family. So it means forgiving And it means asking for forgiveness, apologizing, being humble. The father runs to his son, and he does four things. He gives him a robe. He gives him a ring. He gives him sandals, and he throws him a party. Each of those ways was a way of restoring his son back to the family. That ring would have been the family ring, and so you would know that he is his father's son by the ring that he wore, and so he slips the ring onto his finger and he gives him his best robe and his sandals, and he kills the fattened calf, and, and he celebrates. He has a big party. He forgives and restores his, his son. Sometimes loving like Christ means creating a safe environment for our families as well. The people listening to this story would have expected uh, complete rejection. The father uh, would see the son, and he would reject him. He would turn away. He would throw his son out to the street. His son should be dead to him. At the very least, though, even if the son accepted, if the father accepted the son back, at the very least, he would have yelled at him, beaten him, berate him in front of the servants. He, he would have done something to make his son pay for the pain. But the father doesn't do that. 
Now, should we correct our kids? Should we train our kids? Should we punish our kids? Uh, Yes, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, I always had a healthy fear and respect of my dad. Uh, My dad used to uh, lay on the sofa in the living room by the front door, and he'd fall asleep there. And so we would get home. This was when we were a little bit older. We'd, uh, we'd get home, and he would get up, and he would give me a hug, and he would smell me, basically, right? Smell my neck for smoke, smell my breath for alcohol. Uh, and there were days when that alone kept me from drinking. Absolutely. <laughs> I had a healthy fear and respect for my dad. But was I ever afraid of my house? No. Our homes need to be a safe environment, and dads lead the way in creating a safe environment for our families. Dad, if we aren't a safe place for our kids, for our spouse, uh, we're missing what it means to love like Christ. Because loving like Christ means creating a safe place for your family. Verse 28 continues uh, with the older brother. He comes into the story. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go into the party. So his father went out and he pleaded with him. But the boy answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I should celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered his property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jealousy, bitterness, anger were creeping up in the older son. He couldn't even celebrate. It's not that he didn't want to go in. He literally could not go in and celebrate with his brother. Not because he cared about his dad, but because he felt like he wasn't getting his. And so the dad corrects him. He trains him. He teaches him, what you're believing is not true. What you're believing is a lie, and that will hurt you in the long run. Loving like Christ means embracing the responsibility to teach and to train our kids to become the people that God wants them to be. God wants our kids to become people of integrity, of generosity, of love, passion, vision. And he wants us to take a key role in teaching them what that looks like and transforming them, both with our actions and with our words. It's not enough for us to, as dads, to put a roof over our kids' heads, put clothes on their back, put food in their mouth. That is good, and that is right, and it's great to do, but God calls us to something much deeper. He calls us to teach and to train our kids. It's not ultimately the job of Sunday school to train our kids. It is ultimately our job to teach and to train our kids with the partnership of our spouse. Now, dads, I know that Father's Day is supposed to be about us, right? Us being loved on and cared for. Like I told you, I got a a coffee cup and a fantastic water wheel that I have tried out twice now. It's wonderful. Um, With my daughter, by the way. I didn't just sit in the bathtub with my water wheel. That would be uh, awkward. We celebrated Father's Day yesterday because today uh, I'm here for a good part of the day, and I got to sleep for ten and a half hours straight. Uh, That was the first time that I had done that in 20 months and nine days. Uh, It was glorious. That was the big thing I wanted. I woke up and I got to have waffles with raspberry jam. They were delicious. And uh, tonight we're going to have burgers. Remember when I talked about Sabbath? I talked about those burgers. We haven't had those burgers again in a while. We're having those burgers with the caramelized onions and the the French fries. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, I can't wait. 
So it's good to be loved on Father's Day. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's wonderful. God wants you to be celebrated. But I wonder this Father's Day if God might want to do some inventory in our lives. If God might be speaking to us about what it looks like to love like Christ loves. I want to encourage everybody, not just dads, but everybody to take these notes home and to look at the different points about what it means to love like Christ loved and, and ask God to reveal an area that he might want to grow you in, develop you in. Maybe it already came up. Maybe you already know exactly what God would want to show you. Uh, it did for me last Monday. Uh, Monday morning, I already knew exactly what God wanted to grow and develop me in in this area. Uh, and when you find out what that is, when God reveals it to you, uh, I want to encourage you to be vulnerable and to share that with your spouse. Or if you're not married, to share that with your roommates and to ask them to keep you accountable uh, in whatever God is teaching you and showing you and leading you in. Uh, because Father's Day is ultimately about the gift that dads have of being dads. Uh, and it's great to be celebrated by other people, but really, uh, on a lot of levels, we should be thanking them for allowing us to have the privilege of being their dads. Uh, I taught Maddie how to say happy, and so she says oppy, which is pretty good. I say daddy, and she says daddy, and I say day, and she says day. So she told me happy daddy's day today for the first time, and that was really uh, special for me, but really... Um, I should be giving her a gift. Maybe I'll give her the water wheel back. Um, she also got me a VeggieTales DVD, which I really appreciate. Um, so maybe it's about us celebrating what God is doing in our families and becoming the kind of dads that our kids would want to be when they grow up. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced God the way that this father and these sons are experiencing their dad. Uh, this story is ultimately about the way that God loves us. Uh, the Bible says that each of us had turned from God, that we have gone our own way, and that it broke God's heart, but that God gave us the freedom to do that. And that each of us comes to a point in our lives when we just think, man, if I could just come back to God, maybe I could just be a servant or a slave to God, but God wants so much better. God wants to run to you, to wrap his arms around you, to kiss your neck, to, to weep and to celebrate you as a son or as a daughter coming home to him. Uh, if you're here this morning and you've never come into a relationship like that with God, uh, there's no better time than today to do that. Yesterday would have been a better time than today, but today is here and yesterday is gone. There's no better time than today to come into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, you cannot be the kind of dad or mom or son or daughter that you want to be without God. Uh, we cannot just try harder uh, to be better. That's not what the Bible says. The Christianity is not a self-help book. Uh, the Bible says that God is transforming us when we come into a relationship with him. He enables us to be the kind of people that God called us to be. And so if you're here this morning and something is stirring in you, I'm going to pray and give you a chance just to pray with me and respond uh, to what God might be doing, to God's prompting and God's leading. And I'm going to pray that God would give us dads uh, the ability to love uh, our families, like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So would you join me? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, do the work of transforming our lives. Those of us who are dads in this room, we thank you for the privilege of being dads. Would you help us to be the kind of dads that love our families like you love us? And God, I pray now for people who uh, Father's Day is a painful time, either because as a dad they have made mistakes uh, and are having an acute awareness of that, 
or because as children, they had dads who were missing and lacking in areas that you called their parents to be. I ask for healing in those spaces. I ask that you would help us to not run from the pain, run from the hurt, run from the fear, um, but to release that to you, to acknowledge it and then to let it go, that you might begin to work in that space. Would you work in regret? If there's a dad here today who regrets choices he has made, would you help him to acknowledge that and release that to you? And would you bring healing in that regret? There are grown uh, men and women here today who still have hurts that they carry from when they were children. Would you help them to uh, reveal, would you reveal that to them, help them to acknowledge it and then release it to you that you might bring healing in their lives? God, uh, as we continue to pray, Uh, Would you be drawing uh, us into an ever deep and intimate relationship with you? Friends, as we continue to pray, if God's stirring something in you and you want to come into a relationship with him, uh, maybe you heard that story about the father and the sons, and you think, man, if God would run to me, I would run to him. And I want to tell you, God will run to you. And he will welcome you into his home and into his family, and he will make you a son or a daughter, and he will begin the process of transforming your life. So, If you want that, I'm going to give you a chance. Just repeat this simple prayer with me. God, if you really are the Father in this story, and I believe that you are, I want to run to you. Would you run to me? Jesus, I believe that you are uh, God, that you lived, that you died, and that you rose from the dead to break the power of death and destruction, and pain. So I invite you to guide me on this journey of life. I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.